Well, good morning, church, and great to see you today. Are you ready to praise God? He is so deserving of our praise, isn't he? Let's stand together. We'll sing at Calvary. He died for us so that we could have a home in heaven and spend eternity with him. What a great truth. Lift your voices as we give him glory this morning. On that first verse, we spent many years in our vanity and our pride, but because Jesus cared for us, he died and saved us. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he Till my guilty soul in glory turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free.
God, oh, we do indeed thank you. Thank you for Calvary. Mercy, great pardon, deliverance from our sin. It's all found at Calvary, God. We thank you for it. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life that we might know you and know God. How wonderful it is. God bless this service. We want it to honor you. We want to go out of here knowing you better, loving you more. God, use this to draw us closer to you. Help us to forget all the cares of this world and just focus on you. And listen to your, whole, holy, your sweet Holy Spirit. You have something for us today in this service. God, help us to get what you want us to have. We love you. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we had a wonderful retreat the last few days at, uh, down in Glen Allen. Many people from the church came. Uh, thank you. Those who came, I know you had a good time. And, uh, it's the first time we did a church re retreat instead of a couple's retreat. Just invited everybody, all the adults anyway. And uh, it was a good time. I learned a lot. It was wonderful. Great time together. Now, we do this every year. We give out Bible reading certificates to anybody who finished reading the Bible in uh, 2023. It says, Fellowship Baptist Church hereby presents this Bible reading certificate to, and I'm going to read the names in a few minutes and have you come up and get your certificate. It says, for completing a reading of the Bible in 2022, presenting dur during the morning service uh, I don't want to say what that says on January 22nd, 2023. We're just a little bit behind here. Um, now, we always have a few people who forget to turn in their name. And if you are one of those, and I hate to admit I'm actually one of those, uh, you can still turn your name in and we will get you a certificate as well. So I'm going to read these names. Please come as I do and get your certificate. Susan Bain, Rhonda Hillman. Pastor Chuck, Michael Bellamy, Michaela Bellamy, Bryce Bellamy, Tammy Woodbury Bellamy. Don't you love seeing that? It's great. Linda Pettit, Bob Best, Pat Best, Donna Buckingham, Patty Moreland, Arthur Moreland, Terry Williams, Michael Morgan, 
Awesome. Rebecca Morgan. Praise the Lord. Pastor Christopher. Hallelujah. Rosie Epperson. And Troy Rose. All right, give them a hand. Wonderful. Read your Bible. There's so much in there. It will bless you. Read it. It's not, there's nothing magic about reading it through once a year. It's a great thing to do. We don't care if you read it through every two, three, whatever. Just keep reading. Read your Bible. All right. Well, at this time, I'm going to welcome those who are here for the first time. We are glad that you're here. We appreciate you being here. If you're online and watching for the first time, we encourage you to go to our website. Click on I'm New Here. We have an online connection card. If you are here, you should have received one of our welcome packets. If you did not, there's a connection card in the pew right in front of you. We encourage you to take that, fill it out. Today's date is February 11th. And then if you would, give us your prayer request. We want to pray for you. I promise you, every card that comes in, we pray. So please, let us know how we can be praying for you. You can do that online. You can use the QR code on that card, or you can give it to the ushers. They'll be at the doors on the way out. And we do welcome you. We're so glad to have you here. If you give us your email address, we have a free gift that we would like to send you. We can only do it by email, so if you will give us that, we'll get that out to you today. And we do, again, welcome you. Thank you for being here today. God brought you here because he has something special for you, and we are praying you get exactly what he has for you. Well, this time we'll have our video announcements. This message is for the ladies. We're having the Ladies' Prayer Advance in March, and we want you to go and be blessed by learning to pray, praying with your sisters in Christ, and just being encouraged with good meals, good fellowship, and fun. You can find out all the details in your newsletter and sign up for your free hotel rooms. That's right. The church is going to be sponsoring this trip to make it very affordable for each and every person that wants to go. So go to your newsletter and sign up today. I can't believe that I'm saying this, but we are having our very first VBS planning meeting on March 3rd. That's right. We need to start thinking about Vacation Bible School already. If you are interested in helping, praying, supporting, doing anything to make Vacation Bible School amazing again like it was last year, Come to that meeting. It'll be right after the morning service, and it's just going to be an information meeting, getting us set up and mobilizing and really getting things together for this great ministry that our church provides. So if you're interested at all, please come to that meeting, and we'll see you there. Our missionary of the week is Hope Children's Home in Florida. They take in orphans and children whose parents are unable to care for them. In 2023, Hope Children's Home welcomed 18 new children and cared for more than 100 children throughout the year. They served more than 100,000 meals, did 8,832 loads of laundry, used 1,236 gallons of milk, 1,776 loaves of bread, 1,080 boxes of cereal, and 22,608 eggs. Most importantly, they saw 10 kids profess Christ, and seven were baptized. Please pray this week for Hope Children's Home and the many children in need of a godly, loving home. 
Doctors don't know what to do. Oh, God is able to be away from no way. He's still able. Oh, yes, God, oh, yes, God, he's able. 
able, isn't he? Amen. Thank you, John. So great to hear his voice again, and praise God for that song. Let's stand together. These next songs have a theme, praising God for what he has done for us. This is more of a classic hymn, and then we'll ramp it up as we close out. May Jesus Christ be praised.
God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Isn't he? 
Amen. Praise God. Thank you for your great singing. Please be seated. Mark Sullivan is singing special music for us this morning.
Amen. We're going to take a few minutes to pray. Actually, before we do that, I, I want to recognize we have a young couple here who just got married, Armstrong and Jessica. If you would stand up, please. Amen. It's great. Thank you. Be praying for them. Just recently married. It's wonderful. But we'll take a few minutes now to pray. If you would like to come to the altar, I invite you to do that at this time. We've got a, a lot to pray about. Too many. Uh, I, I don't like seeing this, but uh, T. Smith's sister passed away just yesterday down in Florida. Uh, Tracy and Cheryl's grandmother, uh, Evelyn, she used to come here, but because of dementia, she's not been here for a few years. She just passed away. Gilda Tyndall's grandmother also just passed away. And uh, we continue to lift up Pastor Chuck's grandmother and uh, Katie's grandfather. She's up in Connecticut with him right now. So let's keep uh, lifting these people up. Joseph Franklin is still in the hospital in Miami. Uh, we've been praying uh, T. Smith, and she's been back with us a while. John O'Neill, wasn't it great to see him back up here again? <laughs> Praise the Lord. We always, we want God to heal, you know, just like that, like he did so many times in the New Testament, and he certainly is able, but most of the time, healing comes slowly, and uh, God has reasons for that, but God does heal. He's still healing people, so praise the Lord. Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your love and goodness to us. And indeed, as was just said, I can truly say all my life, you have been faithful. I haven't been, but you've been faithful. You've been good. I have lived in the goodness of God. You're so good to us, and you bless in so many ways. And uh, Lord, we do thank you for this uh, young couple, Armstrong and Jessica and Jez. They begin their new life together. Bless them, God. Use them for your glory. We trust in your time that uh, if you bless them with children, that those children will come to know Christ at an early age and be used of you. And Father, we lift up these people, who, the loss of loved ones. Death is the worst part of life. It's terrible. Uh, we hate it, and it's hard. But God, I, I thank you for those that pass in Christ, knowing where they are. It's a great comfort to the family. And we do lift up T. Smith and her family as she has lost her sister. Tracy and Cheryl, as their grandmother has passed, and Gilda's family has her grandmother's past. Bless these families, God. Use the passing of these people to draw people to Christ. We lift up Pastor Chuck's grandmother and pray for her and for the family there. Uh, for Katie, her grandfather, is a wonderful, godly man. We want you to heal these people, Father. We pray for Joseph Franklin and ask you to bless him, precious young man. God, heal his little body completely. Let him go back home very soon. Uh, we're told he's at least another week in the hospital. God, do amazing things there. Uh, we continue to pray for Rebecca Morgan. We're trusting you for complete healing. Continue to heal T. Smith. Continue to heal John O'Neill. Continue to heal my wife, Terry. Harry Mosby. Ken Harriet. 
It's good seeing Ken at the retreat, God, but he's got a long way to go from his back surgery. Heal him completely. God, the situations in Israel and Ukraine, war, multiple countries at war, and especially the war in Israel is affecting many other nations and things going on. God, we pray for peace, and we pray that you would use these situations to bring people to Christ. And now, God, as we look to your word today, bless us, teach us, use me to preach your word. Give me everything you want me to say, and use this, be glorified through it. Father, anyone that's here today that does not know Jesus Christ personally as their Lord and Savior, bring them to Christ today. Draw them to yourself, Father. We love you and trust you and thank you for all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. What has God done in your life? What's God done in your life? What kind of things has he done, not just for you, but in you? What's God done in your life? Uh, Paul, we're going to be in Acts 21. Paul is heading toward Jerusalem. We've been looking at this uh, slowly. We're getting there at the rate I'm going. It'll be Christmas before Paul makes it to Jerusalem. Uh, actually, hopefully, uh, well, I don't think next week it's going to happen either. But maybe the following no, I'm going the following week with Pastor Chuck. He's going to get there, okay? I should say he got there. Uh, Paul's heading toward Jerusalem. It's the end of his third missionary journey, and we've seen a lot of things happening. And, and there are some really interesting things in this passage in the beginning of verse 21. Um, it starts off, we'll see some of his stops along the way. We kind of, you know... Uh, Luke, the author here, is the times is like a tour guide. We went here, we went here, and we went here. You know, he just lays it out exactly where they went, makes it easy for us to uh, retrace his steps. But uh, it, as you read this, you know, sometimes, sometimes we read through the Bible and, and we just read, okay, got my Bible reading done for the day. We give out uh, sheets in the back. You can get one if you want. You can check off the box. I did today's Bible reading. It will take you through the Bible in the year. Uh, be careful of reading just to check off the box. Know what you're reading. Pray before you start and pay attention. It's easy to miss stuff. You know, you can, you can drive down the highway and you know, it might be a road that you've seen many, many times before, and I don't do this if you're the driver. That if you're a passenger, you might just fall asleep. My wife and I went to Glen Allen. That's about a two-hour drive, and uh, typically for her, she's going to fall asleep 10 minutes after we leave and wake up when we get there. You know, she sleeps in the car. I don't ever sleep in a car. I just can't do it. But other people, they're just out. Don't sleep through what God has for you. It's too easy to miss what's going on because you can read things. And now, I have preached through Acts previously, but it wasn't here. When I pastored in Alabama, I preached through the book of Acts in 2010. I still have all my notes. 
I'm not preaching to you the same message. I, I do use my notes. They're kind of a starting point. Uh, when I look back, I'm amazed at how fast I went through Acts. Chapter 20 was one message. It was three or four now. Um, but it, it, it's easy to just go right by something. I don't want to do that. So as I'm reading this, I go and, and early in the week re, reread. Usually I'm, I'm actually already working on next week's message. But, but I want to read it again with fresh eyes. Even though I've read Acts, I don't know how many times I've read Acts. Literally dozens of times. But I want to see it new. And I want to see, you know, not wasn't there before because it's always been there, but I missed it. What did I miss? God, show me. I'm not asking for something new. God's not putting new things in there, but it's new to me because I didn't see it before. And, and there's some good stuff here that really I didn't really see before. Easily missed. Uh, let's look at uh, these first seven verses. I'm going to try to get through 12 verses. Uh, but Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, and it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Cus, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Petara. And finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, that's an island, we left it on the left hand, and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. So again, uh, Luke's giving the details. We went here, then here, then here, then here. You know the route that they took. In verse 4, in finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, we saw some of this in chapter 20. Paul being warned, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. You're going to get arrested. You're going to have problems in Jerusalem, Paul. So these people are warning, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. It's going to be bad. Uh, we're seeing a, a recurring theme here. In verse 5, And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children, till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave, one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemais and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. So they're making their way down. Notice how people are loving on Paul. They're loving him. Whole families are coming out, greeting, uh, wanting to see Paul. Paul is well known among Christians and very well loved. He's been greatly used of God. This is his third missionary journey. The first one went for two years. The second one for three. The third for four. So for nine years, basically, Paul has been out spreading the gospel. And these people have seen him, heard of him, uh, some got saved because someone else was over in this city, and this guy named Paul came and preached, and I got saved. So people have heard of him and know about him, and, and they want to see him, and they're loving on him. 
And we see then in verse 8, it says, And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. Now, I'm going to read through verse 12, but then we're going to come back to verse 8. And we're going to park right there for a while. Verse 9 says, And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. The same man being, of course, Philip. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle. And shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. So again, we're seeing the same things. Don't go, Paul. Don't go, Paul. But go back to verse 8. And I want you to notice a, a few words here that are really important. It says, we entered into the house of Philip. Now, whenever it says we, as I've told you repeatedly in the book of Acts, that means Luke is with them. So Paul and Luke and others in his company, and we saw before, he had a, a good number of people with him. They entered into Philip, the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven. Now, I'll tell you honestly, before I just read and kept going, and then God drew me back and said, look what you're missing. Look what you're just passing over. Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. What does that mean? One of the seven. Well, what does that mean? Go with me back to Acts chapter 6. Don't be so quick to just move on. Go back and look. One of the seven. It's important. If God put it in the Word of God, it's important. Acts chapter 6. Six, we covered this, I don't know how long ago that's been now. It's been months, maybe a year ago by this point. Acts chapter 6, and look at verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer. That's the most important part of ministry, prayer. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So of the seven, we have Stephen and Philip, the first two Named. So these men knew each other. They're in the same church. They knew each other. They were chosen together. We usually call these the first deacons. The Bible doesn't say they were the first deacons, but they appear to be the first deacons. These seven men, they worked together, ministered together within the church. How close they were, 
We don't know, but they, we know these were men who were full of the Holy Spirit, so we know they liked each other. Because if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you don't dislike other Christians, especially others that are full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they knew each other. They worked together. Maybe they were good friends, but we can't really say. We don't know. Stephen, by the end of chapter 6, Stephen is preaching so powerfully that the Jews want to get rid of him, and they set up false witnesses against him. And in chapter 7, Stephen preaches this great sermon that really gets them mad. He's preaching the gospel. And the end of chapter 7, in verse 57, it says, Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Ran upon Stephen with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. First mention of Saul, who of course becomes the apostle Paul. They laid down their clothes at Saul's feet. Verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, meaning he died. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. So, Stephen is killed, calling on Jesus. Saul was part of it. Saul... Well, he didn't throw any stones, but they laid his clothes down, and he was consenting to it and, and watched it and apparently liked it because after that, Saul starts persecuting Christians. Now, the, the disciples are scattered abroad. Philip goes from there. He goes to, from Jerusalem to Samaria, we read about that later in chapter 8. Chapter 8 is largely about Philip. He goes to Samaria. He starts preaching. Lots of people start getting saved. He's got a great revival going on. And the Holy Spirit moves Philip to Gaza. Have you heard of Gaza? Yeah, that's in the news a lot these days. God took Philip to Gaza to meet the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch gets saved, goes on his way back to Ethiopia, which, by the way, the gospel went to Africa right there. Uh, some people say Christianity is a European religion. No, it's not. It started in Asia, went to Africa, went to Europe later. Philip then starts, after the Ethiopian eunuch, he starts traveling around, and at the end of chapter 8, he gets to Caesarea. We don't hear from Philip again until chapter 21. He's still in Caesarea. Uh, apparently was preaching there and ministering there. Paul 
has started persecuting the church. In Acts 26, this is what Paul says about himself. In Acts 26, where'd it go? Verse 9. Acts 26, 9, Paul says this, I barely thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Paul was wicked, killing Christians, torturing them, getting them to blaspheme God, giving witness against them for them to be executed even going to other cities. And of course, in Acts chapter 9, as he was going to Damascus, God got a hold of him. Saved him. Wow. So we see Paul, who'd been so horrible, becomes Paul. And he's at Philip's house. Philip, who knew Stephen, who was killed, and Paul was part of it. And it's so easy to just go right by that. Wait a minute. Paul, the persecutor of Christians, is at Stephen's friend's house. And being welcomed in. You wonder if there weren't some people who said, Philip, what are you doing? Don't you remember that guy? He killed your friend. Why would you bring him in? Why would you let him come to your house? And yet, Philip not only welcomes him, he didn't say, honey, Paul's coming. I think you better take the girls. He had four daughters. Remember, we read that. I think you better take the girls to go stay with your mom for a while. Who knows what this guy's capable of? I, I know God saved him, but, you know, we know what he was. And, you know, maybe just in case, just, just go take the girls. Come back next week. He didn't do that. He welcomes Paul into his house. We see a beautiful, powerful picture of forgiveness. Philip's not bitter. There's no hint of bitterness or anger in Philip. He's forgiven. He forgave Paul. And he didn't do like we do sometimes. Well, I forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. And you know what? I do forgive you, but I'm never trusting you again. And, you know, it's easy for us to justify that. They burned you. Somebody burned you so bad. Well, I, yeah, I forgive them, but I'm not going to trust them. Am I turning my back on them? They're not going to get me again. 
This is complete forgiveness. Stay in my house. Eat my food. Talk to my daughters. There's no bitterness there. It even says, look in verse 12 again, back in Acts 21. It says, and when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Who's they of that place? This is Philip's household and the other Christians around who have come. They said, Paul, don't go. Look, some of us would have been, well, you know, Paul, reap what you sow, buddy. You're finally going to get what you deserve. All the things you did to Christians, uh huh? It's coming home now. Yeah, I know you got saved. Praise the Lord, you'll be in heaven, but whoo, they're going to get you. And you're going to get what you deserve. Have we ever done that? Yeah, we have. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that to us? The forgiveness of Philip is so powerful. Not a hint. that You just read Acts 21 and you would never know from that that Paul had ever done anything that would hurt Philip. And yet he had. But it's under the blood. It's gone. Forever. And we... See, total forgiveness. You know what else we see? What were Stephen's last words? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Stephen's last words are coming to pass. One of the men who was involved in his death is now staying at Stephen's friend Philip's house. And I think Stephen was in heaven just smiling, saying, ah, Isn't that great? Wow, the forgiveness. God forgives us, and we're to forgive others. It's so powerful. I can look back at my life. Now, when we were at the men's prayer advance a few weeks ago, uh, one of the messages, he talked about forgiveness. And, and you might need to forgive somebody you hadn't even thought about. One of our men even said, and I won't say who, I meant to ask him before the message. I don't think he'd mind, but I didn't, so I'm not going to. Um, he said, I headed for the altar with no one on my mind. I just knew I needed to go. And by the time he got there, he knew somebody he needed to forgive. Whew. Listen, for, unforgiveness will eat you up. I can look back in my life and, and the way the man said some things and, and just in that message made me think. It's like, wow. You know, there's people, little things from before I was saved that I, I, I never even thought about. It's not a problem of bitterness because I hadn't even brought them to mind. But I look back and say, whew, I remember some things in elementary school people did me wrong. I was, a, I was a little scrawny kid, so I got picked on. And I remember the kid that used to pick on me. He's probably bald and 50 pounds overweight now. Just kidding. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not bitter, but you know what? It came to mind. I said, God, forgive him. 
wherever he is, save him. I don't know if he's alive or not. I haven't heard from him in well over 50 years. Save him. I started thinking. I, I realized something too. A man that really mistreated my mother badly. And, oh, I hated that guy. But then I realized that, see, she, I, I used to work for the city of Plantation. Plantation is a city in Florida. It's kind of funny. My daughter lives in Pennsylvania. And Plantation, I know it's an odd name for a city. Um, somebody told her one day, I don't know where, just out of the blue, said, that's funny, there's a city in Florida named Plantation. And she said, yeah, I was born there. <laughs> it's like, no, you aren't. <laughs> she was. My kids were both born in Plantation General Hospital. I graduated from Plantation High School. Um, I worked for the city for a while in the water plant. And my mom worked for a guy who was pretty high up in the utilities department. Ultimately, he was, would have been my boss, but about three bosses up. So I never saw him. He mistreated my mother very badly, really badly. And was, that was one of the reasons I didn't want to work for the city anymore. And I left and went to work for another water plant where I met a Christian man. And just in, in the last few weeks, I realized God took a, a man who mistreated my mother, and I was mad at him and didn't like him, and God used that to bring me to Christ. Those, those mistreatments that we don't like, I can look back and say, that guy was such a jerk. But God used it. Look, we get mistreated at times. Everybody does. People we love get mistreated, and we don't like that. And if you're going to mistreat me, I'm going to take that a whole lot better than if you mistreat my wife. Because I'm going to have to ask forgiveness later. That's not going to go well if you mistreat my wife. I'm not saying I'm going to hurt you, but I'm going to want to. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would mistreat my wife. I'm almost getting mad just thinking about it. Who would do that? Uh, you know, you just, you, you want to get a mad, man mad, mess with his wife or his kids. You understand? Men understand, don't go there. You know, just don't do it. Any man with sense doesn't go there either. Because uh, it's just bad. But look, being mistreated, God uses it. God uses it for our good. Now, if you've been mistreated, and it might be something small, we need to forgive. Uh, last week, I took you by mistake to Ephesians 4.32 when I meant Ephesians 4.28. But this week, I really do mean Ephesians 4.32 because I looked it up about three times so I wouldn't get it wrong again. Look what it says. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How are we to forgive others as God has forgiven us? Ooh. Wow, I, I don't know about you, but God's forgiven me a lot, a lot, more than you know. You wouldn't let me stand here if you knew. God has forgiven me, I'm to forgive others. 
Uh, we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, our chart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. How? As we forgive those who trespass against us. Wait a minute. God, forgive me as I forgive others. I know some Christians that are in trouble because you don't want to forgive because you're holding on to a hurt. You've been wronged. Listen, I've known people that have been done really, really wrong, badly wrong, cheated, lied about, scammed, husbands cheated on wives, wives cheated on husbands. All kinds of wicked lies told about people being set up to take the fall for something. Forgive. How can I forgive after what they did to me? Look what you did to God. And he forgave you. It doesn't have to make sense. Well, I'll forgive if they ask me to. They never will. They're not coming. They're not going to come and ask you for forgiveness. Forgive anyway. Just forgive. Forgiveness will free you. Hebrews talks about the root of bitterness. Oh, the root of bitterness will hurt you. I've known bitter Christians. It's not pretty. They're miserable. They're absolutely miserable. Because somebody hurt them so bad they can't, I, I shouldn't say can't, they refuse to get over it. And is it hurting the person that hurt them? No. That person has gone on with their life. They just keep going. They don't care that they hurt you. And yet you're bitter. And it's destroying your life. Give it to God. I, I try. I just don't feel. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. Forgive. Don't hold on. Let, if they show up at your house, let it be like when Paul went to Philip's house. Nobody would have known anything had ever happened. That's how we're to be. Turn it over to God. Just forgive. I want to look next, and really this was my most important point, but I'm running out of time. The change in Paul. Paul was a changed man. He used to persecute the church. Now he's preaching Christ to everyone he met. His name was changed. You know, there's many times in the Bible where God changed someone's name. There's no record of God changing Paul's name from Saul to Paul. But his name was changed from Saul to Paul. And commentators debate that. Did the Romans do it because Saul was a Jewish name and uh, Paul is a Roman name? Or did Paul change his own name? I kind of lean more toward there. Uh, Saul, Jewish name means desired. Roman, uh, Paul, the Roman name means little. And I could see Paul naming himself little. Small. Because he didn't think much of himself. He said, I'm not worthy to be an apostle. I persecuted the church. I'm the least of the apostles. I think he was the greatest Christian that ever lived. Uh, but Paul looked at himself, and he didn't forget his past. He knew what he'd done. And he spent the rest of his life, I don't want to say making up for it, but 
following God and doing what he ought to do. So how has God changed you? If you've been born again, if you claim to have been born again, how has God changed you? God changes people. Uh, this week I've been, I, I don't know why, maybe it was because of this message, I don't really remember, but sometime last week a, a song came to my mind. I never heard this song before until we had a musical group come to my church in Alabama and they sang this song I had never heard before. I've heard it uh, very, very little since then. Uh, but I went on uh, Amazon Music and typed it in, and there it was, half a dozen different people singing it. Um, a song whose name now has just gone. Uh, that's what happens when you get old. Uh, it, it starts off, I went back to the place. Oh, it's thanks to Calvary. I went back to the place where I used to go. And saw all people that used to hang out with. And asked, you know, what, what happened? And he says, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. Man, that song hits me. I ain't safe till I was 21. And drinking age was 18 back then. I spent my time in the bars. Not good. Thanks to Calvary, I don't go there anymore. I hear that song and it takes me back, not, not with fond memories, but it takes me back to what God saved me from. Amen. Praise God. Thanks to Calvary, I am not the man I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, things are different from before. As the tears rolled down my face, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. Wow, what's God done in your life? See, when God moves in, things change. Uh, my son is sitting over here, and we brought him home from the hospital almost 30 years ago. You're getting old, son. <laughs> He'll be 30 next month. He was born five weeks early. You're supposed to be born in April, not March, but God had other plans. He was born five weeks early, weighed five pounds, ten ounces. He was going to be big. But it, because he was premature, they had put him in ICU for a little bit of time. His lungs weren't all the way developed, and it was a week later we brought him home. And when we brought him home, he weighed five pounds, you know, a bag of sugar. It used to be a bag of sugar. Now I think a bag of sugar is four and a half. It used to be five. All of five pounds, we bring him home to the house and, and put him in the little baby bed or wherever we put him. And I bassinet, whatever it's called. When he came home, now, I, my wife is part of the marriage contract that we have to have a miniature dachshund. It's not really a dog. It's kind of like a gerbil on steroids. Uh, <laughs> The dog weighed twice as much as he did. The dog's only that big. Um, when he came home, things were different in that house. Everything changed. 
Everybody here who has kids, you know, everything was different. Because the smallest member of the household set the schedule. <laughs> Nobody went to bed at 10 o'clock and got up at 6. That wasn't happening. You didn't sleep through the night anymore. And there were loud, unbelievably loud screams from something that small. When a baby comes in your house, everything changes. When Jesus moves in, he doesn't come in to leave things the same. He comes in to take over. Let him. Because he'll make things better. When Jesus comes in, things change. If you look back and say, yes, I got saved. What's changed in your life? Well, I can't really think of anything. You didn't get saved. God changes things. He changed Abram, high father, to Abraham, father of a multitude. He changed Sarai, my princess, to Sarah, princess of a multitude. He changed Jacob, supplanter, heel catcher, conniving, scheming Jacob to Israel, one who walks with God. God changes people. He changed Moses from an introvert and slow of speech to a man of God, great man of God. He took Gideon the coward and made him a mighty warrior. He took Peter who was arrogant and self-centered and made him a humble servant. When God moves in, things are different. What's God done in your life? How has God changed you? If there isn't a marked difference in your life, you need to be the first one down the aisle and let us talk to you about salvation. You say, well, yeah, yeah, I got saved, but I do the same things. Really? 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him, with Jesus, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You're calling me a liar? No, God is. If you claim you have fellowship with Jesus and you live a life with the same old sin that you lived before, you're not walking with Jesus. You're fooling yourself. The devil's got you deceived. Oh, yeah, you're fine. You got saved. Don't worry about it. No, you didn't. You need Jesus. He will change things. He will not leave things the same. How has God changed you? I thank God he didn't leave me the same. He made things different. What a wonderful God he is. I was a mess. I was a mess. And he loved me anyway. And he saved me. And he changed me. I sure enough wouldn't have been standing up here. I started to say 40 years ago. It's been longer than that since I got saved. Now, 45 years ago, I wouldn't have done anything like this. But God. But God, Jesus Christ came in 
and I haven't gotten over it yet, and I pray that I never will. He's so good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. God, I thank you for saving me. I know the mess that I was, and you saved me. It changed me. Oh, you still have a lot of work to do in me. I'm far from what I ought to be. But you started a work in me. And your word says you will continue it till I get to heaven and get that glorified body and I'm finally perfect. You're still working on me. So many in here have the same testimony, but God, some do not. They need what only you can do. They need Jesus. They need to be changed. God, anyone that's here without Christ, draw them to Jesus today. Save them for Christ's sake. It'd be the greatest day of their life if they would finally put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Stop trusting their works, their religion, whatever they're hanging on to. If they would finally let go and trust you. Oh, it'd be glorious. They'll never regret it. Nobody who's truly saved has ever regretted it. I only regret I didn't get saved sooner. Thank you, God. Thank you for Calvary. God bless this invitation. Have your will and your way in it. We trust you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We've got men and women up here. Listen, you may have somebody you're struggling to forgive. Come up here and ask someone to pray with you. So just pray with me. I'm struggling with this one. We've all been there. Don't be ashamed. It makes you human. If you're not sure you're saved, come get somebody and say, I, listen, I'm not sure. I don't see any change in my life. I made a profession. I got baptized, but I can't name one thing that's different. Would you pray? And I need to be sure that I really know Jesus. Maybe you're carrying a hurt today. You need prayer for, you're struggling, you've got some health issues coming up, or you're in some, you got a big appointment this week, whatever. Come and pray with someone. Don't carry that burden home alone. We're here to bear one another's burdens. If you know this is where God wants you to have your church membership, come. See Pastor Chuck right here in the middle. Whatever the need is, come. You, if you want to pray yourself, you can do that. Someone will pray with you. Come now as we sing.
we sing that, but do we mean it? Or do we really mean, I surrender some? I surrender all. Give it all to him. You will never regret anything that you surrender to Jesus Christ. Never. He's too good. He's too loving. He gives you back so much more than you ever give up. And you say, but I, but I like my sin. I don't want to give it up. He'll replace it with something better. That's wholesome and good for you and not destroying you. Truly, surrender all. Now, we're going to be dismissed before we are. Real quick, and Teresa's not here to take notes, but Pastor Chuck's going to tell her what happened. Uh, I, I'm going to call a business meeting to order real quick with one order of business on the recommendation of the missions committee. We are recommending that we add for support Robbie and Lauren Prater to Paraguay. They were with us, I think, in December, a couple months ago. November or December, they were with us going to Paraguay. They're about to leave in just a few weeks. They're heading to Paraguay. So all in favor of adding them for support, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right. Pastor Chuck. All right. Uh, a couple things before we pray. Um, if you don't have a place to watch the game, my house is open. Bring some food to share. We're going to have a great time this evening. And also, I have a serious prayer request. Um, you know, uh, Marty, I'm, uh, uh, could you just raise your hand real quick? A lot of people don't know. They've been coming for a short while. Her brother last week was, last Sunday, was in a very, very serious car accident. Uh, several broken ribs, punctured lung. The driver, Riley, was killed. And the two other young men in the car are uh, sustained life-threatening injuries. He is down and has going to have lots of surgery and, um, you know, physical rehabilitation. They just had a baby in November and, um, you know, providing for the family, the money and things like that. So I just want to lift up um, her brother and, and, and those other young men that are trying to recover. And uh, we'll just see what the Lord can do for, for them. All right. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for um, just your, how you work. Lord, and uh, I do pray for Marty's brother, Levi. I pray that uh, you would completely heal him, that he would not have any permanent injuries, that he would be able to get back up and, and maybe through um, church help and support, friends, family, uh, him and his uh, wife and newborn would be okay financially. And I do pray for the other two young men, Tommy and Dalton, uh, Lord, that they would heal up as well and uh, that you take care of them, their injuries, their families, and the, the, the family of the young man, Riley, that passed away. Lord, I just pray for comfort and strength and support that through this big mess, um, souls can be saved and lives can be changed and people can be brought to you, Lord. So we thank you for that and we do pray for you to work in a wonderful, amazing way in that situation. Lord, give us a great day. Safety as we travel home and uh, good fellowship with each other uh, throughout this week. And Lord, help us to be lights in the darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.